opening your copy of God's Word uh, to Luke uh, chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. And just thank you for uh, giving uh, to those who are in need. Anytime we um, have folks in our, in our church who are in uh, a pinch, we want to be able to rise and meet those needs. That's what the New Testament church did in Acts chapter 2 and 4, so we want to follow likewise. Uh, well, today we are going to be in, um, uh, we'll look at four verses uh, in Scripture today. We're gonna, I'm going to start in verse 17 and read to verse 24. Uh, I'll pray and then we'll dive in uh, to God's Word. The word of the Lord, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he, Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, And no one knows who the the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before your holy presence. You are so compassionate, so loving, Father, so gracious and merciful. God, we thank you that you have given us the privilege to enter into your presence through the blood of Christ. God, we thank you that we have been adopted as your children so we can cry, Abba, Father. So God, we come first and foremost to ask you to forgive our sins of this past week. God, we have not given you the glory as we should have. We have been full of anxiety, not trusting you. God, we have been um, filled with um, grief over our own sin, Father, whether it be our lust, our greed, our jealousy. God, we do not want to be a people who are separate from you because of our sin. So God, we ask now that you would be gracious to us yet again and forgive us of our sins. Father, it says in your word that blessed is him who against uh, the Lord will not count his sin. So God, we ask you now not to count our sin against us since you have counted it uh, on your son, the Lord Christ. God, we pray for for those in um, in our community who are grieving. Father, we pray specifically for our dear brother Jerry Broughton, um, former pastor of College Park Baptist Church, as he uh, mourns the loss of his wife, Vicki. God, we pray for uh, him. We pray that you strengthen him, God. Uh, Father, we pray that you would use um, even the service in the next, uh, t- tomorrow, Father, uh, to highlight the grace that you have given that family. We pray for the Deaton family as they grieve the loss of an aunt, God. Um, and we pray for the Hiltons as they grieve the loss of a sister. 
Uh, God, we also just pray for, for the gospel to go forth at that church. God, we know the turmoil that that church has faced in recent months. God, we pray that this would be a time to gather, they'd gather together with your word and find comfort uh, from the Spirit of God. But God, we also pray for the gospel uh, to go forth in our world. God, we pray for the gospel uh, to go forward in China. Father, God, what a huge country, God. God, we pray for specifically for the house church movement there. God, we pray that you ground those leaders in the word of God as they share the word of God, that people would come to faith, God. We pray that you would have your spirit in and work through them, God, to bring many people to Christ. Father, we pray specifically for those in the rural communities, outside of the cities. God, we pray that you would be kind to them. God, we even would pray that you would turn their hearts around and their love for children. God, that they would revoke the one-child policy and really care uh, for the children in that country. And God, we, a- we ask now for our own hearts, Father, as we open your word. Uh, God, as I said before, we all deal with different things this week. Uh, but God, we pray now for the next 30 minutes that we would, you would open our eyes to see your glory. God, we pray that the Spirit of God would, would awaken things in us, that we would be convicted of our sin and be driven to righteousness, God. God, we pray that as we hear things that may be difficult, God, that you would give us wisdom and understanding, that we know that that wisdom and understanding would only come from your hand. So God, we pray not another word from a man. We pray a word would come from God. So God, as I announce your scriptures, I pray that you preach through me by the power of your Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father through the name of the Son. So God, we offer all these prayers to you, our crucified and through our crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, recently, uh, my kids and I have discovered geocaching. Now, many of you probably never heard of that term. I didn't hear, hear about it until recently. But what geocaching is, it is a, a hunt for a hidden object um, using a GPS device. You know, most phones now have GPS devices, so what you can do is you can kind of look and kind of see um, these different objects near your house. So you, you download this app, you look, and you find out that there's this object that's hidden 1.6 miles from your house. So me and the kids, we get in the car and we get excited, right? We go on our hunt. We follow this d- d- delight, and we, we, once you get close, you don't know where it's at. You have to start, stop looking at the GPS and start using your eyeballs and discovering where these are at. But can I just tell you the joy that comes upon you when you discover something that's hidden, right? It's underneath a tree, or it's, it's hidden, and you take it out, and the kids are just super excited, and oh, we're, we're happy. Because discovery of things that are hidden bring joy, whether those things are a treasure map or a, using a GPS, we need help in finding things that are hidden. Uh, so I pray this morning, as we look in God's Word, uh, we will see how the hidden knowledge of God is revealed. What has God given us to, to help us see those things that are hidden? I pray that we will discover uh, even more of the deeper things of God but we are going to need his help. Amen? If you want to follow along in the bullets and provided for you, just flip on the back. and You'll follow the outline there. Uh, the first, uh, we see the hidden knowledge of God is revealed. Look back with me in verse 21. It says, In that same hour, 
Luke connects the section we talked about last week, the sending of the, the 72 into the harvest field, um, where he asked them to pray that they would, uh, for more laborers to go in to the harvest field. They were sent out to proclaim that the kingdom of God had come near. Now, in their journeys, they experienced victory uh, over evil spirits and saw people turn from sin to God. And yet, even all the victory that they saw, Jesus said, do not rejoice in your victories. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. They were called to rejoice in their salvation over their circumstantial victory. So when Luke writes, in that hour, he is referring to the events that occurred following the disciples' return after these great victories. Now that is important, okay, as we unload this text. So God now gives us a window through Luke into how Jesus responded to these victories of the disciples. So go back with me in verse 21. Let's read the whole thing. It says, In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. It says Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. It's the only verse that you'll see in the, in the, in the New Testament where it says Jesus rejoiced. Jesus saw what God was doing and he rejoiced. See, the attitude of Jesus here, his joy, will help us govern our attitude when we look at this passage. We're going to look at some, some difficult things in this text. But when Jesus looked at these difficult things, he rejoiced. One of the blessings of being an expositor, one who wants to take the scriptures and walk you through an entire book, that there are certain passages you come to that you can't avoid, right? Yeah, I can't just preach what I want to preach. I'm going through the text. I come to Luke chapter 10, verse 21 through 24. I know that there's going to be things in here that may press on people that are going to be difficult. But my job is not to tell you what I think. It's to tell you what God thinks. So I praise God I have the opportunity to teach this text with you this morning. So I pray that our attitude um, would be the same as that of Christ Jesus. I pray that when we hear the truth in this text, that we would rejoice as our Lord did, as we understand the privileged place in which we stand. So before we get to know, or before we get to how this knowledge is revealed, we must first ask, what are these hidden things? It says in verse 21 that um, you have hidden these things. So what is he referring to? What are these hidden things? Well, we have to jump back in verses 17 through 20. I just, I just read it to you. I think there's four things that we can see uh, from this passage that were hidden and, and, but revealed to these disciples. The first one is the power of God over Satan and his demons. You see right there in verse 17, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And again in verse uh, 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. God revealed his victorious nature over demonic spirits. Secondly, by seeing this power, they were able to realize that the kingdom of God has come near. They were able to see that their message, the message that they proclaimed, the kingdom of God has come. They were able to see it fulfilled right before their very eyes. Third, 
they were able to know of their salvation in Jesus Christ. Jesus said that they should revoice, that their names are written in heaven. It tells us we're in Matthew, that their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They were saved. They experienced salvation. They went with nothing um, but a message. Lastly, they were given God's authority. They were able to see how God is completely sovereign, in complete control over salvation. Although they were able to participate in the salvation of others through their word, it was only God who saved. Four things that, that we want to hold on to that, that were hidden, but now were revealed. So, how were they revealed? Three things that I see from the text and how these things were revealed. The first one, they were revealed by the gracious will of the Father. The gracious will of the Father. Look back with me in verse 21. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Just, just, a, just a, a side note, right there, what Jesus is saying is that there is only one God. The Lord, the Father, He is over the heaven, heavens and the earth. There is no God but the God that Jesus prays to here. The Father, our Father. Then He said these things. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that You have hidden these things from the wise understanding. And you have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Jesus says that the Father hidden these things from the wise and understanding, but revealed them to little children. So the Father hidden his salvation, his power over demonic forces, his sovereignty from the wise and understanding. Those who would claim that they do not need God, those who would depend upon themselves and their own wisdom, he did not reveal these things, but rather he hidden himself. But he revealed his salvation, his power over demonic forces, his sovereign control of the universe to literal children. Now the verbs in the text, hidden, revealed, show an active hiding and an active revealing from the Lord. And this causes Jesus to Rejoice. But why does Jesus rejoice? You know, this is the only text that we could find in the Scriptures that says Jesus Christ rejoiced. Now, we know that the songs, Jesus is a man of sorrows. But here it says he rejoiced. So what what brings the joy in his heart? I think a translation we could look at, not just he rejoiced, that he was overcome with joy. He was overwhelmed, thrilled with joy. The word for joy there, uh, it's used as an eschatological joy. It wasn't just the joy that we have in this life. It was the joy in the life to come, right? It was the joy that all of God's promises were going to be fulfilled at the end of time. But I think one hint for why he was rejoicing is found in that last verse, last phrase of verse 21. For such was your gracious will. Beloved sinners do not deserve to receive God's grace. We deserve condemnation and punishment 
The Bible says that sin entered the world through one man and, and death uh, and sin spread to all, uh, death spread to all men since all had sinned. And yet, God shows His grace to sinners. God chooses to reveal Himself to sinners. Those who would humble themselves, who would have a, a contrite spirit. God chooses to reveal Himself. That is astounding. Jesus rejoices because He sees the kingdom of God coming to sinners. And we don't deserve it. That's why we sing a song, um, Grace, Greater Than Our Sin. Grace, grace. God's grace. A grace that is greater than all our sin. But I think another reason that Jesus rejoices is who the Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, reveals himself. He reveals himself to little children. Now, he's not actually referring to little children here. I believe that, that, that that's, they're included, but that, those aren't everybody. But it's those who come like a little child, those who are, are humble, who are utterly dependent upon God. He does not give revelation to the wise and understanding, the world's elite. He does not give, reveal himself to them because he wants all the glory. He does not want to give anyone a reason to boast. There is no boasting in our salvation. We do not say, yea me. We say, yea God. God chooses to reveal himself not to the wise, but to those little children by his gracious will. Dr. Samuel Bringle said these words, The axe cannot boast of the trees it has cut down. It can do nothing but for the woodsman. He made it. He sharpened it. He used it. The moment he throws it aside, it becomes only old iron. Oh, that I may never lose sight of this. Beloved, we must never lose sight of the gracious will of the Father. We do not boast in ourselves, but in God, and in God alone. The second thing we see here, how the hidden knowledge of God is revealed, is by the gracious life of the Son. The gracious life of the Son. Go to verse 22. It says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the, who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, this is a profound verse, okay? This is called a bolt of the Johannine blue. A bolt out of the Johannine blue. Uh, this is a connection between the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, to the gospel of John. Uh, most people think that, the, that John was way out there, right? That, that even John didn't even write his gospel, some liberal scholars would say. But we believe that John wrote the gospels and he just kind of filled in some things that were missing out of the first three. But this text connects them both. Just listen to a few verses in John's gospel. John 17, verse 2. Since you have given Jesus authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. John three thirty five. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. John 6, 65. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by him, by the Father. John 13, 3. Jesus, knowing the Father has given all things into his hand, that he had come from God and was going back to God. 
John 14, 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. It's important because this shows that John's theology is not different from Luke or Matthew, which has the similar account. This verse is a very high view of Jesus Christ. Look at how close this connection is between Jesus and the Father. All things have been handed over to Jesus by the Father. In addition, the total revelation of the Father is given to the Son to make him known. So that when you see the Son, you see the Father. Listen to how John explains this in this first chapter of his gospel. Chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. And the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was the, of whom he, I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now listen to this last line. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Jesus Christ makes the Father known. This is why, beloved, our job as a church is to always proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world is lost and under condemnation. And God is sending us as his ambassadors to share the message of Jesus Christ with the world. And when they see Christ in us and in our proclamation, they see Jesus. If we stop sharing Jesus, then Jesus will stop using this church to connect people to God. Our mission must always be to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ at the center of all that we do, from our children to our nursery to our youth to any gathering we have. Now, we can't avoid the obvious theme of election here in the text. Uh, We saw that God the Father, he was choosing to hide and choosing to reveal himself in verse 21. And now again, we see here in verse 22 that the Son chooses to reveal himself to some. God is completely sovereign, completely control over the salvation of souls. We are dead in our trespasses. And we need to be made alive by God's power. Now we can try to rationalize away the obvious reading of the text. But I don't think that would be faithful to the Scriptures. The Bible uses this kind of language throughout the Bible. Listen to Exodus chapter 33, verses 17 through 19. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that I have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by my name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will, pro- I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy to whom I show mercy. The passage in Isaiah 55 we just read, My thoughts are above your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but the water of the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Romans chapter 9, verses 14 and 16. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. So this theme of election, God choosing and revealing himself, are not isolated verses. It is throughout all of the Bible. You know, and we know that this truth is not seen only in the Scriptures. This is also true in, in the human relationships. Uh, those of you uh, who have ever been in relationships with another human being know that you can't really know someone unless that person chooses to reveal themselves to you. Uh, you know, I know my wife well because my wife has opened herself up to me in the nine years of marriage. But if my wife hid herself, would not reveal herself to me, I would not know her completely. We can never have truly a truly authentic relationship unless we choose to reveal ourselves to each other. Now let me just make a side point here. I, I hear this a lot in people I talk to. The word authentic is a buzzword today in the evangelical church community. Um, people want authentic relationships, real relationships, and real authentic community. But can I just say that people will never find authentic community outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, the gospel frees us from having to put up a front and to, to, to try to make our, ourselves look better than we are. The gospel says you are a wretched sinner. You have rebelled against God and you deserve to die and spend an eternity paying for your sins in a literal place called hell. But God, in his mercy, chose to take your punishment, to take your condemnation. So now I don't have to tell you that I'm all right. I'm a sinner, but I've been saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I, I can choose to reveal my sin to brothers and sisters in this church. Why? Because I don't have to have it all together. The gospel says I don't. I just have to believe it. You know, as a pastor, people always tell me, they always ask me, you know, are your closest relationships uh, someone who's not in your church? You know, because no one would want to know all, all the stuff that's going on in your life as a pastor. You don't want to, you want to protect yourself from people. Can I just tell you that the people who know my junk, know my sins, know my struggles, are in this church. Because as much as I'm your pastor, I am also a member of the body of Christ. I need you just like you need me. So if you want real, authentic community, maybe those who are, who are in this church, who, who are on the fringes, on the outside, who don't have real friendships, who are desperate to have real connections with other people, maybe you don't have that because you have not chosen to reveal yourself to others. There is a, a sweetness there, beloved, when you trust the gospel and share your struggles. God has chosen to reveal himself to us through his Son, and this should be the foundation of all our community, so that we should have authentic, real, honest, 
and a joy-filled community. Now, I know this truth may be difficult for some to accept, but is this truth, the idea of God choosing and revealing himself to some, how does Jesus respond to it? goes back to it. How does this section start? Verse 21, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. The concept did not frustrate Jesus, but caused him to rejoice. And we should rejoice too. It should not frustrate our mission, but rather it should fuel our mission. Now, don't forget the context here, the context of, 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 a, of a mission and prayer. Luke wants us to see how prayer is connected to evangelism and missions. In that same hour, right, after they came back and received victory over evil forces, we must always remember that God's heart is always for the sinner. Haven't we seen that already in Luke's gospel? Jesus is a friend of sinners. He hung out with drunkards and and tax collectors. He wanted to, to, to show his grace to them. It is not the healthy unity doctor, but the sick. God shows his gracious will by sending his son to seek and save that which is lost. Matthew chapter 11 shares the same exact story. Listen to this account in Matthew. This is at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Now, you probably heard almost the same exact wording in Luke. It's almost the same exact wording. But this is the next verse in Matthew, which is probably a lot more familiar to many of you. The very next verse says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. The call goes out to all. See, our job is not to know everything in the mind and heart of God. Our job is to be obedient. Our job is to rejoice in what God has done in revealing his gracious will to us and sharing that with the world. Some will reject Jesus Christ. We saw that even in this text we studied last week. But beloved, some will believe. God will use some of you here when you share the gospel of Christ to come to know him, to turn from their sins and to trust in you. Well, let me close with this last point. The hidden knowledge of God is revealed lastly by the gracious eyes of the Spirit. Verses 23 and 24. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Uh, Jesus turns to his disciples and reminds them of the privileged place that they have. Uh, Beloved, do you realize how privileged we are in knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Jesus said there are prophets and there are kings who have long desired to see what you see to see the kingdom of God come. Oh, do you realize how blessed you are that your eyes see and your ears hear? This is a very special thing in the eyes of God. So let me just close with two applications that we can get from this text. How should our understanding of this privileged place affect our lives? 
First, we should be a people of joy. Jesus rejoices in others' salvation and also encourages people to rejoice in their own salvation. We should never forget how God graciously has saved us. We should be a people of joy. We heard a message and believed. God forgave all our sins in Christ by punishing him so we might become his righteousness. We are all better than we deserved. But the second thing I think we could see here um, is that we should be a humble people, a humble and patient people. Uh, There's a theme throughout the New Testament that encourages believers to remember their salvation. Every time we remember how God has saved us, what, what happens is that we're kind of knocked off our prideful pedestal, right? And we realize that we are just um, where we are by grace. We can't boast and look down on others. People who may not have the same theological convictions, uh, people who may not um, live the same way. There's a lot of people in our world who are lost. And sometimes we look at them and we, we start judging them and get con- we start condemning them. What Jesus would want you to do is just he'd ha- have you look inside your own heart and realize that you are a sinner and that God saved you only and completely by His grace so that He will save others. We just must be patient and humble. This passage is full of great truth. Um, I know I went over time, but brothers, I, I, could, I could speak for another hour on this text, and you're grateful that I'm not, I know. <laughs> um, Jesus was a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with much grief, but he had joy. He had joy because he knew that one day all things would come to an end and that we would live in a place of eternal joy. So, beloved, I pray that we would look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus rejoiced because he knew of the final victory of our Lord. So I pray we also would hope, we would rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us. God, I pray that although these truths may be hard um, to understand and to uh, even communicate, God, I pray that our hearts would not move towards bitterness or frustration, but God, that our hearts would move to joy, that we would respond um, as Jesus responded to your gracious will. We ask this through Christ. Amen.